Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us in the studio. We're back in the book of 2 Corinthians. Lots to learn. Happy to be here with you and happy being the operative and the word of choice. That's what I want to use. Because as we read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, you're going to see how Paul... It's kind of yinging and yanging and... And Every emotion possible is in this book. Yeah. For real. (laughs) And so, but overall, there is just um, kind of a theme, even in the the hard things and the not fun conversations, Mm. there's a a gratitude and there is a happy, um, joyful, I guess maybe happy is not even the right word, but there is a joyful thing. Um, that Paul is is holding on to, that mm-hmm. he's in unity with the church in Corinth. So, Because what's kind of yeah. the underlying tone here is it seems like the people in Corinth are questioning Paul's legitimacy. No, they are, right. And they're like, yeah. who do you think you are? You're, you're like this when you write, but then you show up, maybe you're something different, yes. and you're kind of two-faced, and so Paul is addressing all of these things. Yeah. And from being sad to grieving to calling them out later on, right now he is joyful. So we'll celebrate that. He's joyful. Let's kick it up right here in verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. Hmm. In John Calvin's commentary on 2 Corinthians, he talks about three of the greatest dangers to ministry. And this is what he says. He says, one, being too harsh, which I thought was interesting, two, false teaching, and three, is being greedy. Hmm. And so that's why Paul's having to double down here going like, look, I haven't exploited anybody. I have high integrity and character. I haven't wronged anyone here or mismanaged the money, any of these things. Mm -hmm. And so there's a a cause, Hmm. though, to say, take a step back and reflect. Right. Because there are times that I have been too harsh. There are times that I have mismanaged situations. There are times that I have spoken when I should have been quiet and mm-hmm. was quiet when I should have spoken. And so there's this call for reflection mm-hmm. for all of us. And Paul, obviously, he's writing a letter, so he has time to think before he writes. Or today, yeah. we're quickly typing, texting, tweeting, posting, reacting. And it's like, mm. pause. Maybe at the end of the night before you go to bed, you can lay in your bed yeah, and just reflect on your day. Go through like, what went well? Where did I meet God? Mm-hmm. Where was I in the flesh? Where did I sin? Where do I need to repent? And that time of reflection is just gold mm-hmm. for our growing, for our becoming more healthy, and the helping other people grow in our community and relationships. Because often, many of us are constantly interacting and relating with people back and forth. Yeah. And particularly here, the finances of the whole thing. Paul's, you know, raising money for churches and trying to go, and and that misuse of money, greed, is oftentimes one of the things that will totally capsize a movement or a specifically a church yeah and so we've noticed that in like some of the documentaries that have come out as as of late i won't even use the names of the churches you probably know what they are but um the world loves these things they're on netflix or on amazon prime and almost mm-hmm. all the issues come down to misuse of power yeah and people misusing money yeah and just being greedy and uh we we don't like that yeah well and paul's saying we like 
you know, this is this is not where we're at. Exactly. Like we we can have conflict and we can, you know, the it's a call for repentance, but let's also remember I think this is sometimes too where things can get misconstrued in interpretation where it's like, well, you said this, but you meant this or yeah. these kind of things and Paul because we know that there's been multiple letters. This yeah, isn't just like forth. the second letter that this there's been multiple letters that the issues have been ongoing and Paul essentially is kind of laying everything out there the next couple chapters. Yeah putting everything out there saying like, Hey, this is who I am. This is where we're at. And so, um, if you continue in the chapter though, there's a transition to what we do want to focus on. Yeah. And so Paul kind of talks about, Hey, this is what we haven't done. And now let me recall for you and really focus and put the, um, put the, the lens back on what we want to do. And, and that's investing in people. Yeah. That's which is where the, the monies go. Yes. Like you give this, but we only show you proof of where the finances go. Cause it's all about God and it's all about people. Yeah. It's like the greatest commandment. Oh yeah. So yeah. if you look, if you look at the scripture and we'll read it for you in case you're driving or something, can't look at it yourself. All scattered throughout this chapter is talking about investing in people. Yes. Verse three and four and six and seven and 13 and 14 and 16. Mm-hmm. You want to just read the underlying sections? Sure. So starting in verse three and then going for the next like 10 or so, um, have such a place in your hearts that we would live or die for you. Verse four, I take great pride in you. Verse five, that you've been comforted by us uh, with the coming, sorry, the coming of Titus. Yeah. Um, he told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me so that my joy was greater than ever. And then transitioning over to verse 13, we were especially delighted to see mm-hmm. how happy Titus was because his spirit had been refreshed by all of you. I had boasted to him about you. And then finally, I am glad I have come. I have complete competent confidence in you. Yeah. So laced throughout this whole chapter is like, I'm so proud of you. I love you. Titus was talking about you. Timothy's yeah. talking about you. I'm talking about you. You like us. And it's like this investment in people is crucial. Right. And it's, it's very clear that the, the love of people um, has to, to flow from receiving God's love first and then giving this to others. Because if you don't have that, if you're in ministry and going through life and you can't truly love somebody, mm-hmm. you're going to be miserable. <laughs> it's oh, just going to yeah. be like, I'm annoyed. Well, we're not meant to live you're like You're difficult that, yeah. people. Mm-hmm. You don't agree with me. You called me a name, whatever. Yeah. It's like, how can you possibly love somebody right. who's a thorn in your side, just the biggest pain to be around is not kind. There's no um, natural commonalities mm-hmm. here. It's like, what are you supposed to do? And as Christians, it's like, well, because Christ loved us when we were his enemies, right. we're called to receive God's love and love other people. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't do that, life is just going to stink. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. It's well, not going to be life-giving. Yeah. Um, and, and the Bible is so clear that we're called to seek those who are lost and to love the world. Right. So that love has to come from your relationship with God, or it's just going to be a headbanger. Just, oh, this is so hard and mad. That's, I think, one of Paul's points, though, too, is like you're not living with the fruit that's bearing the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. You're living um, unto yourselves. And so, Paul, that's another reason why Paul, the, the church in Corinth is constantly questioning Paul's credentials. Yeah which he continues to bring up later on. But really what they're, what he's saying is you, you people have been my investment. You are actually my living proof. You are who I celebrate in Christ, not because of you know, who I am, which is what he gets to later on also. I, I boast in my weakness. I don't yeah. boast in who I am, but, but because of who Christ is and what he's done in this community. And so that's another just like, 
you know, under understanding the text and kind of like this heavy moment here where, where Paul is really trying to convince these people, like grasp onto the gospel and what has happened here and what's continuing to happen. And, and don't believe me just for face value, but actually mm-hmm. look, um, and walk in the truth of this so that way you can show fruit by the fruit that you bear, by your yeah. love for each other. And as you enter into it, yeah. understand that working and loving and dealing with people is going to be inconvenient. Right. Yeah. It's going to be costly and it's going to require a lot of time. That's what there's a quote that's like, if you don't have someone that's like, you know, um, kind of annoying or someone that's like, that's tricky for you to deal with in life, well, then you're, you're that person. So <laughs> yeah. like, like, remember that because that's, we're all sure. dealing with our own stuff and then, and then holding hands and joining with other people, sinners dealing with their own stuff together. So, yeah, so as you do that, there are times I wonder like, should I reach out to these people again? And there aren't, there does need to be boundaries. These yeah. kind of things. But as Paul navigates it, like his greatest goal, the mission of everything he's doing, the focus, the motivation is for love of God and the love of the gospel. Yeah. And so he keeps going. And then what happens is you, your heart becomes aligned with God's. Like This yes. is what God cares right. about. This is why he does this. Mm-hmm. And kind of the next part, going back to the scripture, verses like 8 through 11, what Paul is getting at here is if you really love somebody... You're going to say what needs to be said. Right. Whether it's hard or easy. And oftentimes or, yeah. we will we will shy away from confrontation because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to maybe change the relational dynamics that we're experiencing right. and maybe liking and enjoying. Right. Or but if you really love somebody and you mm-hmm. see them heading towards danger, the most unloving thing you can do is to yeah. not say something. And so yeah. verses 8 through 11, he, he really gets at this. He says, if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it because I see my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. But now I'm happy, <laughs> not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. Yeah. For you became sorrowful as God intended. And so we're not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings about repentance mm-hmm. that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Mm-hmm. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? It's earnestness, eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I was just thinking through ministry the last couple of weeks. Where have there been hard conversations? And for me, I can speak for myself, like yeah. those cohabitating. We Right now, we have a lot of people come into our church that are new to Christianity, exploring it, mm-hmm. and it's been awesome. It's like these people found us online. Yeah. They want to check this out. Multi-ethnic church, multi-generational church, multiple language. It's like people want to come and, and join the family. It's like, I love that you're here. And so there's that old saying. I think you're the one that always says it. It's like, you can come as you are, but not one of us can stay as we are. And so pastorally yeah. having to enter into going like, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to partake in communion, if you want to really grow, then yeah. you got to get married. You got to get married. Mm-hmm. And so most often people receive that really well. And we're not bashing them over the head. We're not yelling at them. It's like I'm talking to you right now. It's, it's like, hey, yeah. you guys are, are growing. You're heading in the right direction. Here's the next step. The next step's marriage. You're committing to each other. When you're cohabitating, you're wanting the things of this world and the body and pleasure without saying I'm willing to give myself fully to you. Right. So give yourselves fully to each other and to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, love of money, having to say like, hey yeah. man, like this is an idol in your life. Every t- every single time we talk, sometimes your retirement, your investments, 
these things, this keep this Dead, theme and yeah. topic keeps popping up. Hmm. I was proud of one of our sisters. I won't say her name. It's the leader at our church. She had some ladies that are in her group that were just like, whatever, I'm out of here. There's no good Christian single guys. And I'm not attracted <laughs> to anybody. Like, I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing. And this leader grabbed him and sat him down and was like, yo, look in the mirror. You ain't ready to get married. Like yeah. you're not mature enough. You're not healthy enough. You're not seeking the Lord. You're seeking other things. So stop worrying about finding some attractive right. dude that, you know, is going to meet your needs and deal with yourself and become like Jesus. And I was yeah. like, that was a crucial conversation. Amen. Yeah. That was a high stakes conversation. And I think it went well, but I was like, wait to say what needs right, to be said. But in the said. moment, it's just kind of like. Yeah, in the mm-hmm. moment, it's like, uh. Last one, just from like last week, a small group, we had a new guy show up and uh, we were talking about influential voices in our in our lives. Yeah. And he had brought up a uh, name of a, a preacher. And I could see a guy on the other side of the group who's more quiet, younger, having to wrestle with this because soon he introduced himself and a few minutes later he brought yeah. up like, hey, I would advise you to not listen to that preacher hmm. and here are some reasons why. And totally called this guy out in a very kind and gentle way. Is like, they don't preach Christ. They preach basically like, we're the saviors. We're the ones kind that are going to win the day yeah. and we're going to do it. So like Genesis 3, crushing the serpent's head. This, this woman thinks that we do that. And he's like, that's not true. It's Jesus who did that already. Yeah. And But it was one of those moments where you're sitting in a group going like, how's this going to go? Yes. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and both guys responded very well. But he loved him. He said what needs to yeah. be said and you celebrate it. Yeah, and that's what Paul's doing. Yeah. He's he's saying, I don't celebrate because, you know, you guys are doing something that's unhelpful and now we need to step like I'm celebrating because your sorrow led to repentance. Yes. And so really it's the invitation of repenting and coming back into right standing, right? That um, that we get to celebrate over. There's some archbishop that we John have a quote Chrysostom. Here. <laughs> and he, the quote sounds like this Like a father who watches his son being operated on, Paul rejoices not for the pain being afflicted, but for the cure, which is the ultimate result. And so we think of that that mm-hmm. how when there's real repentance, there's change. Because even the definition of repentance, it's not, I think there's an image that we've heard of that's like, you know, if you're on a train and you decide to turn around and go the opposite way inside the train, that's not repenting. You're still on the train going the same direction, even if you're walking (laughs) to do a different car. It's a good one. Repentance is getting off the train and turning the other way. And so that's what what Paul's celebrating here. He's saying, okay, thank you. You know, I'm sorry this was hard. And I just think about you're saying ministry, but parenting, family relationships, in-law, whatever it is, where it's like sometimes there's, um, there's moments for us to be quiet, and then there's sometimes moments for us to speak. Got to speak. And he, he compares and contrasts us with worldly sorrow and how a godly oh, yeah. sorrow mm-hmm. leads to like a true and genuine repentance of like, yeah. man, I, I sinned against God. Mm-hmm. This is not the way life's supposed to be lived. Yes. And he, he kind of lays out like worldly sorrow, and worldly sorrow might just be being sad that you got caught. Right. It's like, right. oh, this hurts. And, and you're not sad because you broke God's heart. You're sad because you got caught. You're in trouble. It's like, hey, yeah. that's worldly sorrow. Hmm. Or waiting to hit rock bottom yeah. until God is the only option you have left. It's like, and, and it's not even because God is God. It's like, I have no other options, so therefore I'm just going to go this way. Yeah. God can hmm. work through that. God can use that and redeem it and bring you back to his heart. But it's still like, what are my options, A, B, or C? Uh, the door got closed on A and B, so I guess I'm going to go through C. It's like, ah, that's not quite it. And then the last one, too, uh, worldly sorrow is a little bit mm-hmm. of a victim mentality of like, oh, woe is me. I'm so, my, my life is so hard and da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And there's no responsibility taken. 
And really, when you when you look at that, the goal is to elicit sympathy from other people to look at you and go, oh, poor Clark. And it's like that. That's not how Jesus. Right, that's, not that's not how Jesus and, yeah. operator lived. Yeah. That's not how Paul lived. Mm-hmm. And so we got to change. J.I. Packer said it, what repentance looks like. You want to read that? We can kind of conclude. This is helpful. Realistic recognition that we have wronged God. So I think that's the initial thing. This is what repentance looks like. Sorry. Yeah. Didn't you say that? Mm -mm. Oh, sorry. This is what it should look like. And so even before we, so I'm thinking about within our own family, before there's some kind of reconciliation or forgiveness that happens before our kids, uh, maybe with each other or with Clark and I, that's probably one of the first things that we do is that we recognize that we actually all belong to God, that we're all image bearers, and that by singing against each other, the first person that we actually hurt is God. Mm. And so that's really good just to remember. I don't think as an adult, sometimes we always go there first. Um, That's helpful. Regretful remorse at having dishonored God. So that's another way of how we look at like who God is, but also how he created us to live in harmony with each other. So not only have we hurt and wronged God, but then we've dishonored and we've lived like the opposite of how he invites us to. So even his, the way he does things, not just who he is, but the way he does things. I think of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is when David writes about how he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband and harmed her. Mm And in Psalm 51, David says, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, God. Right, which in the world is like... So in the very world, dude, no. you killed Uriah, you sinned against Bathsheba, why aren't you yes. apologizing to them? And David understands he is first and foremost going yeah. to the Lord saying, first and foremost, I sinned against you. Right. So that kind of stands out as you read those. Then we request, so we have a reverent requesting of God's pardon. And so we, this is one of those things where we... Um, it's kind of a petitioning where we come to the Lord and we say, okay, we, we, you know, we need your forgiveness. And also one of the things we walk our kids through is that we receive it because we know that God's, he's, um, he's, he's willing and he's able and he's quick to receive. So Mm. sometimes, you know, we hold these things against ourselves because it's hard for us to receive the forgiveness, but we, we petition for a pardon and then we receive it because God gives it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have a uh, resolute renunciation of sin. So that's what I kind of was getting at with the train where it's like, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. Renouncing is like not only saying no, it's like Bobby said, it's like, I'm going to go the other way now. Yeah. So I'm saying this is wrong saying that is good mm-hmm. and I'm going that direction. So it's a next step after saying, forgive me. Now it's saying, here's where I'm going. I'm going the other way. And all of this sounds, so we're doing this with the language from J.A. Packer for, to like unto God the Father. But even if you flip through scripture, this is this is how Jesus lived. This is how he modeled life with conflict. I think about the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. How, you know, there's a gracious forgiveness. And then also there's a um, compelled, you know, comment about sinning no more. And so all of this sounds familiar. And then finally, we have restitution to those that we've hurt. And so it's interesting because that's the last thing. We often think about that in the physical is like, oh, you know, I need to go uh, say sorry and make amends or how can I fix this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that's actually like step five after we've come before the Lord. Yeah. And so I think that's a, that's actually helpful when it comes to re- what Paul's talking about with with. Um, not worldly sorrow, but really godly sorrow and repentance, just remembering that. That's actually a lot to do with God. (laughs) Everything to do with God. And then here's how the chapter, you know, how we'll end today, just kind of going back to verses 12 and 13. says, so even though I wrote to you, it was neither on the count of the one who did the wrong nor on the count of the injured party, but rather before God, so that you can see yourselves for how devoted to us you are. By all this, we were encouraged. One of the things that you got to understand, and it's a hard pill to swallow, it's like when you do speak in love and you are trying yeah. to encourage people, 
oftentimes they're not going to thank you in the moment when you address it because it's like there's sometimes a fleshly reaction a little bit of like what are you saying who do you think you are and we're going to walk humbly we yeah. walk repentantly but it's in those moments where sometimes people aren't going to be like oh thank you thank for calling you. out my sin i'm this made my day and <laughs> yeah, you still did right. the right thing you know you still did the right thing so follow the holy spirit live out the scriptures trust yeah. god's going to have his way and uh, this kind of concludes our, our brief conversation today yeah. on 2 Corinthians 7. So stay tuned. More to come. We'll be back tomorrow with 2 Corinthians 8. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face sign on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.